Well, I live near Michigan State in the city next door to East Lansing, and usually in, when the fall comes, my family and I, my son and I, like to go to MSU football games. Just about every day when they play on a Saturday, whether it's 90 degrees in August or 6 degrees in November, the PA system announcer will say, it's a beautiful day for football. We could be sitting there in the snow or the sleet, and, and everybody in this stadium agrees with him and says it together. It's a beautiful day for football. Well, today, it's a beautiful day for church, and I'm glad to be able to share with you as we wrap up this series called Love Handles. I had the privilege of marrying, uh, doing the ceremony for my son and his fiance Taylor, three weekends ago, and uh, Michael asked me to marry them, and, and uh, boy, that was a pretty tough deal to, to get through. And uh, when we were doing the rehearsal on Friday, I could hardly say who gives this woman to be married to this man. And I know the people that were at the rehearsal that day were thinking, this guy, he's not going to make it tomorrow. This is going to be an interesting wedding <laughs> to, to, to go to. Well, later that day, I just went off by myself and I worked on my lines for the wedding a couple of different times so that I could get through. When Saturday came, I felt like I was ready. Well, Michael and I were standing in the back before it was our turn to come out into the public, and he just said to me, now, Dad, I'm counting on you. Now, if you get choked up, I'll get choked up, but if you don't get choked up, I won't get choked up, so it's all on you. <laughs> well, I took the challenge and said, okay, and I, I made it through just about all of the ceremony until right near the very end. I had a little difficult time, but, but you know, nobody really pays much attention to the father of the groom anyway. So uh, we made it through, and Michael and Taylor are now married. A, a couple of weeks before their wedding, my wife and the mother of the bride, were, they were getting together to, to plan out the, the seating arrangements for the, for the reception. Now, you would think it would be a no-brainer to figure out where to put 140 people at different tables at a reception. But as they were having more dialogue, they found out that certain people don't necessarily get along with other people, and they needed to be spaced out accordingly. It was kind of challenging, and they had to accommodate all the relationship dynamics that were taking place with the 140 people that came to the wedding. Now, the reception went smoothly, and, and I believe everybody had a good time, <clears throat> but you would kind of hope you could just sit anybody, anywhere, and it wouldn't matter, but that wasn't the case. They had to accommodate for people. It's been said that we spend more time managing relationships than anything that we do. The reality is that we can't escape people. When, when people are dealing with other people, there, there can be some relationship challenges, so we're finishing this series up around here called Love Handles, and, and, and wonder, wouldn't it be nice if we could get a handle on managing relationships in a way that simply astounds the other people that we come into contact with? Can you imagine the impact that can be made on this community and beyond if we all were people that managed relationships well? Can, can you imagine if River Glen came up in general conversation and it was said, well, those people at River Glen... They're the kind of people you want to come into contact with. I love those people. Friends, if we put into practice the kinds of principles that we've been talking around here recently, that idea is not far-fetched. Ben has been battling some back problems recently and, and had to sit most of this series out. Several others have stepped up and pinch hit and, and filled in talking about several of these principles on managing relationships. I think, I think they've done an outstanding job as I've listened to the messages on the podcast. 
There's been some practical advice that's been given right from Scripture, and it can help each of us develop healthier, God-honoring relationships as we live out our lives. A couple of weeks ago, John Howard mentioned a verse from Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament of the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. John challenged us to initiate the peace process. He, he encouraged us to do this immediately and directly with humility. And hopefully, for, for many of you, some conversations took place. What do you do when the people that you have struggles with are a big part of your life and you continually have a difficult time managing that relationship? Sometimes it might be kind of a, a smaller thing, maybe a communication mix-up or, or misunderstanding. You ever have any difficulty when it comes to text messaging? I mean, you can't communicate non-verbally very well with text messaging. Take a look at this video and, and see what you think. Just got to the hotel. Missed you. Aw, missed you too. Wish I could kiss you goodnight. Me too, but... You're so far. Fat. No. Seriously? No, no, no. Not that far. Okay. Not again. No. When you get home. No. You're gonna get it. It's him. Oh my gosh, what'd he say? Hey. Punctuation? No. Emoticons? No. You have to say something quick. What do I say? Say. Hey. He said, sup. Okay, it could mean, what's up? Or, what's that supposed to mean? Or, do you want to go to supper? Well, which is it? What do I say? Just say something quick. What? What? What do I say? I don't know. Say, yeah. I think you just brought your relationship to the next level. Hey, babe. Sorry about our fight earlier. I love you. Aw. Wow. That's real nice. Well, that's real nice. Ouch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, I'm at the coffee shop. Getting a latte. Do you want one? Send. Aw, that's sweet. Mm, whatever. I don't really care. Whatever. I don't care. Jeez, she's still really mad. Sorry. Babe, if I said something to hurt you, I'm sorry. Hey, could I see you in the office for a minute? Sure, just one second. Okay, great. I have to leave. And I will always love you. I have to leave. Hi, how can I help you? I'll have one latte, because my wife just left me, and a cake pop. <laughs> The joys of technology, right? Maybe that resonates with you, with 
one of those three different vignettes. Sometimes relationship challenges are from smaller breakdowns, and you can clarify that you didn't really mean it that way. But other times, it's bigger, and it's deeper. How do we go on when the tension seems to continue? What do you do when there's someone that's draining the life out of you, and, and they're not going anywhere? They're around a lot. They may have even come to the conclusion that you are the ultimate fixer, and, and you're a bad person if you don't fix their problems. They almost lean on you as if you're their personal genie, and you're to be there whenever they beckon. They don't have any money, but they expect you to take care of their financial problems and say, do your magic with my finances. They don't have a job. Maybe they don't have much of a work ethic, and, and they expect you to provide for them. They expect miracles when it comes to their career from you. Maybe they have the kind of personality that seems to run everybody else off, but they expect you to stay and deal with it. They expect you to fix it for them. Or, or maybe they have an addiction problem and, and they've been unwilling to deal with it, but they expect you to stay and provide for them and they have unrealistic expectations of you. When we come across someone that drains the life out of us, there's a tendency where they expect us to be responsible for their stuff. Well, they should be responsible for it instead. Now, we're not talking about your toddler or, or your seven-year-old. But when they get older and they're not leaving or they're draining your finances, they may even be a generation or two older than you. I remember reading a book several years ago when the author talked about people calling them VDPs, very draining people. Do you have any VDPs in your life these days? Now, for someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, this can be a real tension point, can it? I mean, if we're supposed to be loving and, and gracious and taking care of people, this can be a problem. Some of us in this room are real mercy showers, and we have a tendency to get sucked into all kinds of opportunities, and, and you have a difficult time saying no to anybody. But one day, you can wake up and say to yourself, I am managing so many different people around me that I'm having trouble managing myself. And too many people have placed too many demands on you, and it's become impossible to continue that way. Is it okay to say no? Like the old Kenny Rogers song from years ago said, you need to know when to walk away or when to run. The Apostle Paul wrote that book of, of Romans to the first century people following Christ in Rome. And chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And Paul is saying, if it is possible. In other words, most of the time, it is. Most of the time, you can sit down with someone and you can work through the conflict. Maybe they need to apologize to you. Maybe you need to apologize to them. But most of the time, if you really want to work it out, it happens. Sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes that person isn't interested in making things right, or, or maybe they don't even think there's a problem. And then you have a real problem. Maybe it's your spouse or your kids or a sibling or your parents or coworker or neighbor, and it's draining the life out of you. Because you're putting so much energy into managing this dysfunctional relationship, it's hampering your other relationships as well. What do you do when it's no longer possible to live at peace with everyone? Well, there are kinds of relationships that fall into a couple of different categories. The first being dealing with the out-of-control person. Think Johnny Manziel. Maybe, you saw, maybe you're an NFL fan and you saw this weekend he's having more troubles. And, and his dad came out this weekend and said, I wish my son would just go to jail because I can't chase after him anymore. 
their behaviors, these out-of-control people, are, are off the church, and you find yourself cleaning up after them. Maybe, they're living, maybe you're living with an addict, or you have before. An addict may be struggling with alcohol or drugs or pornography or gambling or maybe workaholism, something that's just out of control, and they're living in a prison. And the problem is that they suck everyone into that prison as well, people that are close to them. Now, if you're dealing with someone that's like that, there's a huge temptation to become the, the genie in the bottle for them because they don't seem to be responsible for themselves. And you find yourself running interference for them, apologizing to other people on their behalf, providing funds that go toward their addictive behaviors. And you think, well, someday this will get better. And they always promise that it will. I'm sorry, I'll change. I just need a little more help. I just need a little more time. But change isn't happening it may be your child or your spouse or your brother or sister, maybe a parent, and they can drain the life out of you because they're out of control. The second kind of seemingly impossible relationship is dealing with someone who is controlling. They're not out of control. Instead, they're in complete control and in control of you. And they may do that through anger or guilt. If it's anger, everything's okay as long as you do what they want. Once things don't go their way, they respond with anger. They're yelling or screaming, maybe throwing something. Maybe they give you the, the cold shoulder, the, the silent treatment. And, and you kind of walk around on eggshells just trying to keep those kinds of things from happening again. And the other way some of us are controlled is through guilt. And your difficult person doesn't get angry, but they may seem hurt instead. And they say things like, well, I'm not upset. I, I just can't believe that you're going out again. I'll be here all alone. That's okay. I'll just stare at the walls. Think uh, the mother of uh, everybody loves Raymond. I mean, she was kind of a master at that, wasn't she? And they paint a scenario that makes you feel bad, and it often works for them. They control you by guilting you when you don't want to do what they want. Well, is someone manipulating you these days and you think, well, I should just be like Jesus. I should just kind of put up with it and, and be kind to them. But there comes a point when you need to stop. What is that point for you? How do we manage that? How do we get a handle on that? Paul, who wrote those words in Romans, live at peace with everyone, also wrote some practical information on how to manage the chaos when it's not possible. If anyone ever understood conflict, it was the Apostle Paul. For a number of years, he didn't live his life following after Jesus. Then he did a complete 180, started following Christ, and everything changed in his world. He had to figure out some of these kinds of things. What am I responsible for? What do I just have to let go? So Paul wrote a letter to a church in a region called Galatia. And he breaks down what we're supposed to do with relationships that are out of balance. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, This is what I want you to do. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is saying, I want you to share in each other's burdens. That means that you step in and help out when needed. Well, when is that, Paul? When it's a burden. Well, what's a burden? A burden is something that's too big for one person to carry all by themselves. He just got a cancer diagnosis. She miscarried. Their family is coming apart. They, they just experienced death in their family. He was given a pink slip last week. 
It's something overwhelming, and it's too big to carry on your own. And we need to step in at this point and, and carry it with them. Paul is saying, I want you to share burdens with each other. Well, that sounds like a great plan. It sounds like it's exactly what we're supposed to do. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, that's how I got into trouble in the first place. Well, listen to what's added in verse 5. He says, each of you, each one should carry their own load. Well, what does that mean, Paul? That we're supposed to share each other's burdens, but be responsible for our own? How does that work? What's the difference? Well, here's what he's saying. I want you to be responsible for the things that you can be responsible for. Your feelings, your emotions, your actions, your, your mortgages, your feeding of your family, putting food on the table, the things that you are responsible for, you manage. And if you do that, there can be a tremendous sense of accomplishment, of fulfillment, a healthy sense of pride. In the case when somebody has something too big for them to carry, you step in and help carry that load. In short, Paul is saying, share burdens, but carry your own load. Now, here's what that looks like. A burden is like a boulder. It's too big for one person to carry on their own. It's a cancer diagnosis. It's finding out that your husband is leaving you. It's the loss of a child. It's personal bankruptcy. It's when the pain is too great to carry on your own. So, so step in and help carry that load, but carry your own stuff as well. Your own stuff? <laughs> yeah, your own stuff. That, that's like a backpack. That's your own feelings. Uh, those are your own responsibilities, your own finances. I mean, you take care of that, and you carry that yourself, and then you step in and you help others when they need it. Now, here's the danger. And just to let you know, I'm speaking to myself here as well, friends, and many of us, we're just too busy carrying multiple backpacks. And when we do, we're too busy to help someone who's, who has that boulder arise in their life. And maybe you're managing your own hurts, your own hang-ups, your own habits, and you're managing your spouses or your kids or your parents, your friends as well. And it makes it so difficult to help somebody else out because you're carrying too many backpacks at one time. When a friend calls and says, can you come with me to my chemo appointment? Do you have the time or the capacity? The challenge is to determine what is a boulder and what is a backpack. If you really want to get a handle on managing relationships in a healthier way, help out with the boulders and carry your own backpack. Help out with the boulders and carry your own backpack. Now, there's a word that's become quite popular in our society, in our culture these days, and, and it's a popular word to talk about, pretty difficult to implement, though, and it's another word that starts with the letter B. It's, it's not boulder, and it's not backpack, but it's that word boundary. Boundary. If we want to have healthy relationships, then we have to have healthy boundaries, and the boundary is simply a property line. A property line says, this is mine, and that's yours. I'll be responsible for mine, you be responsible for yours. It, it can be a little bit like the grass in my yard. Now, I have a sprinkler system in my yard, and, and I try to run the water enough to keep the grass relatively green. It's been a little more challenging this summer, but hopefully the rain will come up on the other side of Lake Michigan as well this weekend. But, but let's say that, that my 
neighbor has a watering system too, and he doesn't really care too much about that. He shuts everything off. He doesn't water at all. His yard goes totally brown, gets kind of burned up, and I get a beautiful view of his brown, burned-up landscaping. And what if I set all of my sprinklers to water his lawn instead of my own? And pretty soon his yard is green and my yard is dying. He's irresponsible and happy, hasn't had to pay an extra dime for the water. And I'm responsible but unhappy. No, the deal is that he has a property line and manages his. And I have a property line and manage mine. Is there someone in your life right now where a conversation is needed where it says, I'm going to own what's mine, but you need to own what's yours too? It's not an easy thing to do, is it? If we want to have relationships, though, that that flourish, where we can make a difference, it's probably a conversation that needs to to take place. It's not meant to hurt them or scold them or belittle them. It's meant to help them because you love them. The goal is for something good to happen out of this. And, And friends, I firmly believe that this can happen. Let me tell you a success story that I've experienced personally by being willing to go this direction. Now, I have lots of failure stories that I have shared with you over the years as well, but this is a a success story that I think relates to what we're talking about today, and it may help you understand what can be. My daughter, Elena, graduated from college a couple of years ago, and, and she was living at home while she attended college. And she stayed living at home once she graduated. She got a job that was pretty much full-time hours. It didn't pay great, but she had more money than expenses. And we decided a few months into this that it really wasn't working out very well. So we had a conversation asking her to up her responsibilities in our home. and, And that didn't change very much. So a short time later, my wife Shelly and I, we sat down with our daughter, and I said something like, Elena, you have graduated from college now, and you worked so hard to do that. We are so proud of you. That's tremendous. Way to go. And we're so glad you have this job that's nearly full-time in in hours. That's, That's a good thing, and you're a hard worker. Way to go. We are so proud of you there, too. But mom and I believe that the next step for you in your own personal growth and development is for you to get your own place. And we think that you'll do just fine in your own place. So I want to give you some time to start looking, and we'll give you three months, 90 days to figure that out. Well, she looked at me. She didn't say a word. She, she didn't look angry. She didn't look happy. She just had a blank look, kind of like she was in shock that day. And I, I don't know what was going on, but a, a short while later, she went to her room for the rest of the evening and didn't speak at all until the next day. And she came up to me, and she said, Now, Dad, remind me. Uh, when are you kicking me out again? I, I, I said, we're not kicking you out. We're helping you develop a plan for your personal growth and development. But if you're looking for a timeline, it's 90 days. You have three months. So you can imagine the first 60 days, first two months, she didn't lift a finger looking for a place. Finally, when the third month came, she started looking, and she realized it wasn't going to work exactly. So she came to me and said, Dad, could I get a 30-day extension? And I said, well... You can have the extension as long as you keep moving forward so that this works out. And guess what? She eventually worked it out. She did it. She found a small studio apartment. She moved into it just a few miles down the road from our place. We helped her get all situated. A couple months later, uh, she said, you know, I feel so much more like an adult now. She signed her own lease. 
She signed up to pay for her own utilities, and it was a healthy thing for her. Gave her more confidence, and it helped our relationship move in the right direction as well. The bottom line is that we set a boundary in love so that she could win. And as difficult as that seemed, we're so thankful that the relationship improved. And to be honest, like many other stages in raising kids, this was a difficult stage to navigate. But in hindsight, we're glad we did it. And, and I think she is too. Friends, boundaries are not walls. Scripture doesn't say to be walled off from one another. The reality is, if we can get a handle on this, can you imagine the kind of relationship improvement that you can experience? Can you imagine the, the, the kind of church that River Glen can become if we can all up our game when it comes to handling relationships? God will be honored in the process. Now, I don't know what kind of a grade you might have given yourself on the front end and front end of this series as we began Love Handles. Maybe you were already making a, a solid B and a few adjustments in your relationship management would put you on the dean's list. Good for you. But maybe you've been trending the other way recently, though, and, and your relational GPA might have put you in the dean's office. Maybe you were at the low C range or sliding into the D range, and it has been difficult just trying to stay afloat. I'm hoping that there has been a message over the past few weeks that's been of some help to you and has provided some hope as well. We have given five weekend messages on managing relationships, and I wonder, you know, sometimes you think, boy, there's so many principles for me to implement, it's just overwhelming, but can you think of one principle from these last five weeks that might be helpful, that resonates with you? And what I'm going to ask you to do is, as we review these principles, if one really resonates with you, I'd like to just ask you to stand, and I'll pray for you, and you can sit down, and then we'll talk about the next principle. But these five principles over the last five weeks, I think, can really be helpful for you. Mark White was here in the first week of this series to, to kick this series off. And Mark's the pastor at the Ridge Community Church. And Mark said that if you want to get a handle on managing the relationships in your life in the right way, it needs to start with you. And he challenges, much like Jesus did in his words from the Sermon on the Mount when he said, first, let's take the plank out of your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's eye. And if we work on our own planks first, our relationships can change. Healthy people attract healthy people. Is that something that resonates with you where you feel like, man, I just need to get my own stuff together first? And if that's you, would you stand so that I can pray for you? And we just declare before God, God, we need some help in, in getting the, the foundational principles taken care of first. Let me pray for you. Father, some of us in this room realize that if we want to have a healthy relationship with others, we need to work on some of our own things first. So uh, I pray that you give us the wisdom to identify those and then the courage to step out and make some changes. Thank you for the challenges from Jesus as we seek to honor you in the process. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe for you, uh, one of these principles that resonates is from Ben's talk when, when he brought our message in week two of the series and he reminded us that, that great relationships practice mutual submission. Because we respect Christ, we, we're here for one another. And then Ben posed a question which asks, what can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? Are, are you leading the way in this regard? Maybe Ben's message 
really hit home with you, and, and you need to up your game when it comes to improving your serve. Mutual submission, Ben talked about. What can I do to help you? If that's a principle that you feel like you need to improve on in proving your serve, would you stand and I can pray for you in that regard as well? You need to serve more. Father, some of us in this room have stood humbly before you to say, we need to improve our serve. We need to be more humble. We need to be more creative. We need to be more willing to serve others. And I pray that you would give them reminders from time to time so that that can happen. Shape their heart so that they can humbly become like Christ and serve others and improving their relationships. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. John Howard talked in the third week of our series, and he communicated that conflict is going to happen for sure in a relationship. It's inevitable. He said that some of us learn to live with it. Some of us, we just kind of leave it alone. Some of us level it. In other words, we, have, we turn it into a brawl. But John pointed this toward the words of Christ when he said, you initiate the peace-building process and you go. If we want to get a handle on resolving conflict, he says, take full responsibility, no excuses. Did you go to anyone recently? Is there a conflict in your world that you'd like to see resolved? Maybe it's with your neighbor, coworker, family member. Maybe it's with the person you're sitting next to today. But if you have a conflict that you'd like some encouragement to work toward resolving, would you stand and we can pray about that for you as well? Let's pray. Father, we know when we've been around long enough that conflict is inevitable. Uh, we might even, we, we didn't intend for it to happen, so I pray that you would help the people that are standing before you, help them to clarify, to resolve the conflict so that they can live in harmony with the other person. Give them the, the wisdom and the courage and the, the opportunity to have a conversation that is honoring to you so they can look back and say, I remember the time when we had this conversation and it helped us draw closer. Father, give them a, a, the courage and, a, and boldness to take that step. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Brandon kind of gave us a one-two punch last week, and he, he spoke with his fists kind of clenched and asked you to sit there with your fists clenched as well for most of the message. And, and you know, that's kind of hard to do. And, and he said, if we go through life holding on to hurts, it's, everything becomes more challenging. It affects everything. And Brandon challenged us to, to let go of our hurts. And he said, let go largely because God has forgiven us when we have offended him. Boy, we should, we should try to forgive others. No grudges for me. And maybe that's an area for you that, that resonates the most where you have something you need to let go of. And it's been a hard thing to do. And forgiveness is not easy. We recognize that. It's not a, a flippant kind of decision. And maybe that's a principle that resonates with you. And that's the case. Would you stand and, and we'll pray that God would give you the courage as well. Oh, Lord. We know that... Uh, when we go through life, we, we can get hurt, and we can hurt others. Just about everyone in this room has been hurt at one time or another, and people standing before you right now are seeking to work through that situation. Would you help them to, to let go of that pain and also to forgive? Father, thank you for forgiving us. While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Would you help the folks that are standing right now to remember that 
when they're going through a difficult time of letting go. And we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, finally, today we, we talked about the boulders and backpacks and boundaries. And, you know, if possible, try to live at peace with everyone as much as it depends on you. And it's especially difficult to, to get a handle on that. It's helpful to determine if we're being asked to help carry someone's boulder or an extra backpack or three that might be lugging around. Maybe it's time for you to have that talk. <laughs> if, if there's someone in your world that's giving you a little more difficult times than usual, and uh, this principle resonates with you, would you stand and I would just pray for you today that we can work through some situations there. Father, some of us in this room, we are, we're helping so much that it almost has become a hindrance at times. So again, we need wisdom. We need to understand, when is it a backpack and when is it a boulder? And Lord, help us to carry one another's burdens while at the same time manage our own things. Thank you for the people in this room who are standing right now that recognize they have a situation in their life that needs to be addressed. So I pray that you would give them the, the right words, the right tone, that they can speak truth in love and see uh, some progress being made. We trust you with this as well, and we commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we sometimes think of ourselves as failures when a relationship goes south, and, and uh, you know, relationships are just not easy to do. And we have had those situations happen in our relationship with Christ from time to time as well. And that's what I love so much about communion is that it's a time for a, a do-over. Maybe you messed up this past week and it's time to just get before Christ and say, I, 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 wanna, I want some help. You know, I went to the sports authority uh, over at I-94 and 83 yesterday and they're having the closeout sale. Everything's on sale. You know, I thought I could get a great deal. And I went, made a beeline for the golf department. Well, that golf department had nothing there. I thought I could get a, a deal on golf balls. You know, when I play golf with my son on the first tee, a lot of times we'll take a mulligan. You know, the first shot's no good. Do, you get a do-over. You can get a mulligan. And so, you know, thousands of golf balls have been sold in this area so that people can play golf and they can understand the, the beauty of mulligans. I, I think that's what's so wonderful about Christ and forgiveness is that it's, we kind of have a do-over when we've messed up and we come to him and we celebrate communion together, God is saying, I am for you and I forgive you. And uh, I'm the God of the second chance. Let's celebrate that together today as we share, shall we?